Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence, and today I want to go back to my roots a little bit. This podcast was started to explore the principles of the FIRE movement. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early, and at first it was called Bitcoin FI, Bitcoin FI. This is me kind of copying what Choose FI had. So Choose FI podcast stands for Choose Financial Independence. Now, the FIRE movement got a good amount of attention for a while. I think it has gotten harder and kind of fallen out of favor with all the inflation and people feeling a bit more hopeless about their finances. Um, now, let me be clear. I don't really care about retiring early, although that could be nice. I'll always be productive, though, and work on something. It's not about me just being able to sit back and relax and enjoy life, although doing that a little bit more than I do now would not be a bad thing. But at the same time, I'm always going to find something productive to do. And I think a lot of people are that way. You often see how someone retires, they work their whole life until they're in their mid-60s. And then after they retire, they pass away because they have lost that purpose and that activity, that challenge to push themselves that they got from their career. But anyway, I wanted to go back over this a little bit because I had this conversation with Camilla Compton on Twitter. She also works for Swan. And she was saying how Bitcoin opened up this whole new world for me. Now that I have this tool, I want to focus on personal finance. And so we started talking about uh, FIRE a little bit. She goes on to say that, you know, organizing your finances is important. I'm preparing for the future. And now I want to see how I can optimize that and live out the present to the best potential. So I chimed in and I said, the FIRE movement is what helped me a ton on optimization of saving, spending, etc. Everything with money. That's where I'm coming from into Bitcoin and somewhat exploring on the pod, although it trends very heavily on the Bitcoin stuff. So I get a little chance to explain what the FIRE movement is. And like I mentioned earlier, Chooseify is the main podcast that I listened to for a long time. I had listened to every episode, I think the first 200 plus episodes. Um, it got very repetitive after a certain amount of time, though. What the FIRE movement traditionally does is it says you need to be very intentional about your spending. You want to try to save 50% of your income, if not more, and you want to take that money and put it into the stock market. You want to put it into VTSAX or VTI, which is the total stock market index from Vanguard. It's a very low fee stock market fund, and you are going to get 7 to 10% returns on average with about a 2% dividend. And there's this thing that's called the 4% rule that with stocks, historically, if you can live on 4% of your portfolio, then you can be retired. So if you can live off of 4% of what you have invested in the total stock market, and that's either ticker VTSAX or VTI, depending on if you're getting the mutual fund or the exchange traded fund, but they both essentially are the same and do the same thing. They just have very subtle, subtle differences on how they are structured. But let's just say you have that million dollars sitting there. And what the whole FIRE movement's about is that if you can live off of 4% of that portfolio, you can retire. If you have a million in that fund, 4% of that is 40000 If you can live on 40000 or less, you can be retired. You can be financially independent. You don't have to work for your job because you will get the dividends. And you can also draw down an extra 1% or 2% of your portfolio every year to accommodate that $40,000 spend. Now, this obviously gets a little bit harder with inflation because maybe you're not spending 40000 a year anymore. Maybe you're spending 50000 or 60000 And so what the FIRE movement encourages is really to be very disciplined in your spending, not necessarily budgeting because I don't think you have to budget very much necessarily, 
But as long as you know where your money's going and if you can be disciplined in your spend, you can actually reverse engineer how much you need to retire, at least in the, uh, the teachings in the world of the FIRE movement. So how it works is you take how much you spend every year, not how much you earn. How much you earn is irrelevant. If you spend 40000 a year and you multiply that by 25, you get a million. If you spend 50000 a year and multiply that by 25, you get $1.25 million. So to spend that extra $10,000 a year, you need an extra quarter of a million dollars to retire. So this is what the whole fire movement's about. You know, if you want to spend, we'll say $100,000, because maybe living off of $40,000 a year, like maybe that's what you do right now. And when you retire, you want to live bigger, you want to drive the nice car, and you want to travel more. So you want to live off of $100,000. If you want to go by what the fire movement teaches, you need 25 times that in the stock market. So you would need $2.5 million to live off of $100,000 a year. And basically, you would be safe. And not just for like what we tend to think of retirement age, like from 60 to 90 or to 100 if you have good genes or something. Uh, but we're talking about if you can live off of this 4%, you could retire when you're 50 or 40 or 35 and live off that 4% indefinitely. This is what Chooseify teaches. And same with Afford Anything with Paula Pant. And also Mr. Money Mustache, who has a very popular blog in the fire movement, actually probably one of the biggest personal finance blogs in America. And I have read virtually every blog post except for any that he's written in the last six months or so. I really don't keep up on the fire movement anymore because to me, Bitcoin is better. Bitcoin is better in my mind than trying to save a million to two and a half million dollars so that I can retire off of forty to $100,000 a year. But that is where my head was from 2015 to 2021 when I got more into Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has totally changed my approach. Uh, now, also real estate, I should say, that's the alternative, but a lot of the fire movement is focused on stocks, but there are some that try to do it with real estate. And if that's of interest to you, then you know, Afford Anything, Paul Pant is a really good resource, and so is Coach Chad Carson, uh, he runs real estate and financial independence. So really, my podcast is kind of a blend of Chooseify and also real estate and financial independence. Uh, that's why I went with Bitcoin and financial independence, or for short, Bitcoin Fi. That was my original logo. I kind of had this multifaceted approach. I'm not all in on Bitcoin. I've got stocks that I've accumulated over the last decade plus, and then real estate that I've accumulated in the last four years with just my two properties. But the other thing the fire movement teaches, if you want to go the real estate route, is that you might just need three to five rentals and you could be retired. If you were able to buy like two duplexes and maybe a single family house or a condo that you can Airbnb or something like that, and between all these properties be generating around $4,000 a month in income, you might be able to retire. The only thing is that you would maybe need a really good cash cushion for any maintenance or repairs that you need done for your rentals. But you could also realistically do this if you have mortgages, maybe not now so much anymore without doing a lot of sweat equity or doing some major renovations. Uh, just depends on your local real estate market, but it's not unfeasible that you can find duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, or things like that. And even with your mortgages, be able to cash flow, you know, say three to $5,000 a month. You know, that could be good enough to retire on or maybe not retire on, but work part time. Because if you have $5,000 coming in a month free and clear, and say you've got fifty dollars to $60,000 on cash as an emergency fund to help you 
get through any big maintenance events, that's a really solid place to be in. You could go work at Home Depot or Costco and make 10 to 20 bucks an hour, earn a couple thousand a month, and you're making a pretty good income and living a pretty good life with that kind of setup. So financial independence, the FIRE movement, in my mind, it's all about optimizing your finances. It's all about optimizing your spend. You want to be smart about what you spend money on. You want to be intentional. You don't want to be a thoughtless consumer. You want to be extremely careful about everything you buy, that it needs to have a purpose. And you don't want to be on Amazon all the time, every day, ordering thing after thing after thing. This is what most of America does. And this is why a lot of people have storage units that they pay for just to hold random junk. And you see yard sales every weekend. You have to be very thoughtful about what you buy. One of the big things about the fire movement is trying to get 1% better. So maybe right now, all you can do is save $100 a week. So what can you do just to make that $101 the next week and $102 the next week and on and on and on? Eventually, it starts to compound. Like if you can save $100 a week, that's $5,200 a year. But if by the end of the year, you're able to save $150 every week, you're now saving nearly $8,000. And, and if you're investing this money in the stock market or into real estate, Again, you can keep compounding and getting dividends and keep reinvesting. So I really love that about the FIRE movement is just thinking, how can I make my finances 1% better? How can I spend 1% less and still have the things that I need? 1% less on clothing or on food or on your shelter. Are there ways you can lower your electric bill without hardly even trying? Can you shop your insurance around? Can you shop your phone plan around? Things like that. So I really love that mindset of the FIRE movement is that 1% better, that progress. And it really makes dealing with money a lot more fun. It kind of gamifies your money and helps you be more creative. Side hustles are another way that the fire movement talks about like flipping things. I do this, I pick things up off the curb and I flip them or I buy something off Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist and it's something I see potential in. Maybe it just needs a, a few things fixed and, and I can sell it for more and double my money. Stuff like that. And people actually can do this for a living. I know there's people that just flip things for a living. Other people will monetize a hobby of theirs or like rent out their mountain bike. How can you monetize something you own or monetize a hobby? So these are a lot of the uh, kind of the tenets and the facets of the fire movement that I haven't really talked about on the podcast very much, but things that I think are really important, especially with all the inflation going on in the last couple of years. And I think it's going to continue to keep happening. That inflation is going to remain elevated for a while. Now, this is just my speculation and my take on things. But anyway, people have all these stigmas about money where they think having a lot of it is bad. Um, and again, I want to have as much money as possible to secure the future of my family, but also to be able to help more and, and pay more tithing. So any extra dollars that I make or that I save is just money that I am more secure and I can also bless the lives of others. So that's kind of my take on things. But in my mind, you know, Bitcoin kind of simplifies the fire movement because that's a problem is historically inflation is at two or 3%. So if you're saving $100 a week, saving $5,000 a year, you know, the next year, after just one year of saving that money, you have already lost money because of inflation at 2 or 3%. Your $5,000 that you have saved is only worth 4900 So when it comes to dollars, like you're constantly trying to outrun inflation. And that's why you have to invest and you have to speculate and you have to buy stocks and real estate and hope it works out and hope you didn't take on too much debt and hope you didn't leverage too much and hope that you have a good emergency fund in it. Nothing in your car breaks and all these things. With Bitcoin, it's just simpler because there's a limited amount. We know how much it's going to be distributed. And again, you can't be diluted. I've talked about this on several podcasts before, but it's like that Gatorade mix. You, you put the scoop in, you put in the water, and you got the Gatorade that tastes right. But when you start adding more water 
to the powder, like that powder is your hard work, your time, and the water is the amount of dollars that they print. They tend to inflate away your purchasing power, and so the Gatorade loses its flavor. Inflation these last three years has been really bad. Uh, at times, by the government, it's been reported to have been over 10%, over 9%, and you start to compound that. And I just went to this website. It's called Bitcoin.rocks. They have a compound inflation calculator you can find on their website, and it has this simple calculator. Like, if you have a salary of $100,000 for round numbers, and the inflation rate is 10% a year for three years, then your salary would have to be 133000 and that's really what we've all experienced over the last three years is elevated inflation. Uh, I actually went to bls.gov. They have a CPI inflation calculator. This is the Consumer Price Index Inflation Calculator. And this is, uh, this is accurate as far as the government reported numbers on inflation are. But I just put in $100,000 in January of 2020. And then it tells me how much buying power it has well, it only has data up through April of 2023. So $100,000, if you had that sitting in your bank from January of 2020 before COVID hit to April of this year, so this is three years and four months of this money just sitting here, that $100,000 in 2020 has the same buying power as $117,595. So almost $118,000. So according to the government, you've lost over 18%. And I would say that it's actually higher than that. There are some places that do independent measurement of inflation. There's a company called Trueflation that gathers this data. But I would argue that the inflation rate is higher than what the CPI, than what the government reports. And you can check out Trueflation if you want. I'll try to link that in the show notes. But the point is, is that with Bitcoin, it doesn't matter because you are storing it in a fixed asset. You are storing it in a scarce asset, an absolutely scarce. There's only 21 million Bitcoins. But with the FIRE movement, if you can go back to this example of you can live off of $40,000 and you can times that by 25, you need a million dollars to retire. That seems really daunting to people, first of all. But what Bitcoiners will say, and I think a lot of people intuitively know this, but technology is supposed to make things cheaper. Think about televisions. Televisions that were a certain size that were big back in the day, I mean, they were huge. They were very expensive, like $1,000. You can now buy 60, 70-inch televisions for a couple hundred dollars. They've come down in price. There are many things that because of technology have come down in price, like the personal computer and things like that. Like why is education so much now? Uh, I, can, I can tell you why. It's because the government guarantees student loans. And so educational institutions obviously will just raise their rates so that you have to pay more tuition because they know that the loan is going to get paid either by you or by the government if you don't pay it. But overall, there are many things that go down in price as technology gets better. The manufacturing gets better. It gets cheaper. So why are things going up in price and getting more expensive? It really has to do with inflation and with the government printing money and debasing your currency. Every new dollar that they print makes the current dollars in circulation worth less because there's more of them and because you're getting diluted and you're getting debased. But with Bitcoin, you don't have that inflation. That's not part of the system. So in theory, things would get cheaper. Things should be getting cheaper. Some things are getting cheaper. Some things have gotten cheaper for a long time, but most things should be getting cheaper. The reason why they're not is because of government printing. You know, I've been seeing a lot of posts about the debt ceiling on CNBC and on LinkedIn and these different places and how the government is running out of money. And if they cannot increase the debt ceiling, they're going to default on their treasuries. So they have to raise the debt ceiling so that they can just pay the current bills. 
they have to take out a new credit card or increase their credit limit so they can keep spending and paying for things that they already bought but they have to pay interest on. Like they never intend to pay this money back. That is the crazy part. Now this debt ceiling deal just got done, but supposedly they made the deal for two years. Spending is going to get cut by $50 billion, and the debt ceiling has been raised by $4 trillion. So they're going to print $4 trillion more dollars. This is going to increase the money supply by about 13%. So what do you think inflation is going to be over the next couple of years? I would say over the next two years that you could expect about 6% inflation per year because they're going to print about 12% more money over those next couple of years. And this is not a great situation to be in for President Biden or for the government, or anyone really in Congress. Governments everywhere are trying to get back down to 2%. They're trying to get back to the level of theft that you will not notice because they don't like it when you start to notice. They don't like it when you notice all the inflation. That's how much they're stealing from you every year by printing and diluting your money. But this debt ceiling, it's, it, it wasn't even raised by an amount as far as I know. They basically just set a new date where we have to renegotiate it, January 1st of 2025. So the debt ceiling is kind of limited for the next 19 months or so. But just what they're spending at the current rate is going to approximately lead us to having about $36 trillion in debt. And if they said that out loud, they probably wouldn't even be able to get the votes and the backlash would be a lot bigger. So this is really bad for people that hold dollars. But here's a little Twitter post that I saw. It says, it's ironic that markets and Bitcoin will rally on a debt ceiling deal, which actually perpetuates the issue of eventual insolvency. It's, it's good for Bitcoin adoption because there's going to be a short-term rally like the party goes on because they're printing more money. And that money is going to find itself into hard assets like gold, silver, Bitcoin, and real estate. Luke Burrells, once again, he's really good at saying things really simply. He says, notice how all of the markets are rising on the news of the U.S. government raising the debt limit. The government has committed to being more insane for the next two years, and markets love it. Because that means we will print more currency to chase all the assets that already exist. It's that simple. In reality, the United States government has no debt ceiling, and they will print money to infinity. They will print you to zero. They are going to dilute you more and more and more. And because of this, people call this number go up technology. Bitcoin is going to go up forever because what is infinity divided by 21 million? What is, what is 31 trillion divided by 21 million? That's how much we owe on debt. That's how much money there is in the system. If all that money finds its way into Bitcoin where they can't be diluted, like that's the price of Bitcoin. So what is not 31 trillion divided by 21 million bitcoins? What is 36 trillion, you know, when they print more money? If the amount of dollars that they keep printing keeps going up and the amount of bitcoin stays the same, bitcoin has no choice but to go up because they're going to print that money that gets inflated and people are going to dump it for as much bitcoin as they can buy at any time. People that are bitcoiners that believe in it are going to dump that money that can get diluted, that can get printed away and go down in value, they're going to exchange it for something that stays the same and cannot be diluted. And so Bitcoin has no choice but to go up as the amount of dollars they print goes up as well. So that's my take there about how Bitcoin makes the fire movement simpler and easier. It makes it possible to actually save money. It makes it possible to actually save time. And that money will not be worth less later. Yes, Bitcoin is volatile, but whatever Bitcoin you have stays the same in relation to all the other Bitcoin out there. The amount of dollars you have is always getting smaller in relation to all of the dollars out there. Unless you have a super awesome disruptive business or you can save and invest extremely well, you have like no needs, no debt, and you can just put that money into assets that 
outperform inflation. Good luck with that. That's really hard to do. So uh, that's why I choose to save in Bitcoin a good amount of my money now. I really am not saving any money except in Bitcoin and paying down my mortgages. And that's it. I'm not buying stocks. I'm not really interested in that anymore until I get a 401k match or an HSA match or something like that. Until then, I'm just going to keep adding to Bitcoin and real estate. So if you want to get started with Bitcoin, check the show notes. You can get some free Bitcoin through Swan, River, Strike, Fold. Remember that financial independence is doable, and I'll be back with you soon.